I was just putting in the 18 hour days, just working nonstop. I wish I could have this expert storytelling thing, which here was the moment, the pivotal moment, but it's, it's really been a series of, of pivots really for me. Have you ever wondered how successful businesses and thought leaders keep landing those big media opportunities and keep the buzz going around what they're up to? It's not just by chance. They're all using the power of storytelling. I'm Nicola J. Rowley, and with over 25 years in the media as both a journalist and PR expert, I'm here to help you unlock the story potential for both you and your brand. Everything starts with a story. This is the Power of Storytelling podcast. Well, hello there. It's brilliant to have you with us on this latest episode of The Power of Storytelling. Today, we're going to be talking about community and the importance of building a community, nurturing a community, and being able to take people along for a ride with you. And as you well know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, I'm all about storytelling as part of that connecting with people. My guest today is AJ Amix. He's the best-selling author. He's the brand manager at Social Glow. He's been working in the online industry for 12 years now. In his own words, he has been able to help pretty much most people, ranging from a 17-year-old all the way through to multimillionaires. Delighted to have you with us today on the podcast. Thank you, Nicola. I'm excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about you and you've been doing this for 12 years, which is a fair amount of time to be doing this in the online industry. Because I know people that have been around six, seven years, but that longevity where you've been there for a while, how did you even get going? Yeah. So prior to the internet, not like prior to the invention of the internet, but prior to me being in the internet space, I was a musician, I was a professional musician. And so we're touring, we had record offers, we had a big bus, we had radio play, all that good stuff. And so it's all about like creating experiences, all about getting a message out into the world. That was our whole purpose of, of music. Plus it was a ton of fun. When that came crumbling down in 2009, we played our last radio show in October of 2009. Um, I was like, what am I going to do next? So I put together another group of guys or do something different. Well, around that time, so 2008, 2009, I started seeing people like in the, the multi-level marketing space, which I had no interest in multi-level marketing, but I was seeing Mike Dillard and I was seeing Jonathan Budd and I was seeing these, these influencers in that industry. They were using social media at that time. Again, this was like at the beginning of social media, 2008, 2009. They were using it to generate leads and grow their business. And I thought this was just incredible. And then at the same time, then you had Brendan Burchard doing like million dollar launches. You had Frank Kern doing doing million dollar launches. You had John Reese who had the first like million dollar day. And I was like, so here's this thing called social media and the internet. And it seems as if you can use technology to get a message in front of people. So it's almost like playing music where you have thousands of people in front of you, which I was used to. But now you could do the same thing with a laptop and an internet connection and you could do it anywhere in the world. And so that was my vision. 2009 was like, okay, my identity as a rock star is gone. I have no idea what to do next. I just want to be able to make six figures a year with my laptop and an internet connection working from anywhere in the world. That was just kind of my, my vision. This, I don't know what that's going to look like. I have no idea how to do it. I'm just a little redneck boy from uh, East Texas. <laughs> I have no idea. And so then that led me on this whole journey. 
I bought my first course in 2000, I think it was 2011. It was Mike Koenig's uh, course. It was a launch called Social Media Marketing Machines. And that gave me all of the skill sets that I needed at that point in time to be able to use social media to generate leads. Here in Dallas, Texas, nobody was talking about social media in 2011 for business. It was just kind of like, uh, maybe. Um, so I, I joined the chamber. I started teaching. I started training. I ended up building a social media marketing agency, having 23 clients on a reoccurring basis. And then by 2012, I got burnt out. I knew nothing about scaling a business. I knew nothing about hiring. I, I was just putting in the 18-hour days just working nonstop. So then I hired my first coach, 2012, which was Garrett J. White. He runs a company now called Wake Up Warrior. And then Garrett told me and helped me figure out like, well, why don't you start teaching people what you've been doing? So then I transitioned and started running small events, coaching people, like training them. And then that then led into... Well, I'm giving people the skill sets to generate leads online, but not everybody's generating leads online. Why is this? And this drove me crazy because I always tell people I'm kind of like this transformation artist who's addicted to real world results. And so then I dove into like, well, it has to be mindset because if everybody has the same skill sets, maybe it's the way that they think about themselves or they think about the world. Maybe that's the difference. So then that led me into the path of mindset and diving deep into that. Well, then I learned I can give people skill sets. I can give people mindsets. And still, certain people wouldn't generate the results that they wanted. And that drove me crazy. And then that led me into diving into very, very deep transformational, um, I guess you could even call it like spirituality, spiritual experiences to kind of get down to the root of what makes people tick, their behaviors, and then really transforming them at a cellular level to be able to now come into a place where I coach people all over the world very holistically. Um, because their business and their personal life, it's tied together. They're not one like, oh, let me just do business over here and personal over here. It doesn't work that way. And so, yeah, that's led me kind of where I'm at today. And I wish I could have this expert storytelling thing, which here was the moment, the pivotal moment, but it's it's really been a series of, of pivots really for me. It's not easy to get to become a well-known musician. So to be touring, to get radio play, to get all of those things, you must have... I mean, number one, you must have been very talented in terms of music and everything else. But I think there has to be like that tenacity, that determination to succeed, to be able to put up with the long hours, the, you know, the sacrifices that have to come to be able to get to that level. Do you think you've always had that kind of mindset yourself? Because then that's transcended into what it is that you do now as well. Yeah, I've always I've always had this quality of tenaciousness, always. Like even if I go back, I, I played a, a soccer or football um, at a very, very high level at school um, growing up. And I was always the smallest one, but I, I was always tenacious. Like I could, if you're bigger than me and we're going up for like a header, I'm going to back into you. So you fall over me and then you're going to get carded and then you're going to get ejected. Like I'm going to find a way to leverage, the, like to leverage my size to my advantage. I've always been tenacious. Um, and even in music, I remember when we used to not be able to allow, like, be allowed to like go to a club or play because nobody knew us. So I was like, okay, I'll go rent out the local pavilion. Um, I'll invite other bands to our show, and then we'll headline, and then boom, we'll have our own show. So <laughs> I've always been like, okay, well, how do I? If these people won't like open the door for me, how do I make my own door basically and leverage it? And then that's ultimately how we started doing music. We we started hosting our own shows. We had people coming and then, of course, we got eventually starting playing clubs and stuff. So you've always had that entrepreneurial streak, haven't you? The, the fact that you can turn the situation 
on its head and be able to say, hang on a second, right, that's not working. What if I just do this instead? Where do you think that comes from? Did you have like other, you know, like people that you could look up to that you were kind of like, oh my gosh, this person's managed to do this or someone that you were following or that you'd seen that they'd done it and that then spurred you on to that way of thinking? I, for me, I wish it was that simple. Like I wish I would have been like, oh, well, this person did it so I can do it. Part of that is true. But actually for me, it's been a deeper thing. For, for me, in order to play soccer, like growing up, I had to make uh, very good grades. I had to make straight A's. And so I would always make straight A's. I was always good in school. And it wasn't because I wanted to be a good student. I just wanted to make sure I could play football. It's all I cared about growing up. And in the household I grew up in, if you were second place, my dad would be like, well, it's the first loser. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, it's, there's no point in being in second place. Blessing and a curse if we want to get into it. But it, there was this conditioning of like you, like, you have to be the best. Like, if you're going to, and this wasn't spoken, but this was the unspoken, unconscious piece. If you're going to get love, if you're going to experience recognition, if you're going to experience acceptance, you must be the best. End of story. There is no other option. So like as a child who for me was sensitive, this set up like the perfect storm of like, okay, well, then I'm just going to be the best at everything I do. There is no other option. Like, what, what's the option? Getting kicked out of the family unit, not receiving recognition, not receiving acceptance, which is the third belonging or the third need of a human being, all of us, right? Not an option. It's a basic need for humans, third basic need. So then that set me up for this total performance identity where you just figure it out. And that's ultimately really what was my, my biggest driver. Determination as well. I think is that determination to not hear a no. If you heard a maybe, did that kind of still go, okay, so that's not a no. So therefore I'll just carry on. So this comes back in conditioning too. So even with my dad, it'd be like, hey, do we want to go to so-and-so to eat? Or, hey, can I go to so-and-so's house? And yeah, ah, maybe. Maybe was always no. So, so for me, it was like, there's either yes or there's no. There's no maybe. It's like yes or no. Even if somebody's like, well, maybe. And it's like, well, what is it? Make a decision. Is it yes or is it no? Like, let's let's get down to brass tacks here and make a decision. I love that. You were just so like, right, okay, I just need to know what I'm doing and then I can go off and do it. When you first set up by yourself, you talked about the fact that you got into the whole burnout um, because you were working those 18-hour days and you were trying to hustle and trying to make it all fit together and work and everything else. What did that moment look like for you? Because obviously up until this point, you've been hugely successful as a musician. You'd had all of that and you might have had a bit of disappointment, but you then figured out your next chapter. You then moved on and you were doing all of this and you were making a success of it and everything else. What did that feel like when you you reached that? Because, you know, when we look at being an entrepreneur and running our own businesses and everything else, there are highs and lows. It's like a roller coaster ride. And I'm guessing for you, this was a, a dip in the proceedings. Where were you at that moment in time? What, what were you kind of thinking? Yeah, for me, I remember feel, like thinking, what's the point? Uh, I remember feeling hopeless. And then I also remember feeling apathetic and numb. And I've had like cycles of, of burnout where I go through the cycles. And, and maybe it's part of my soul's biggest learning lessons, which is, well, what's the point of doing this? What is even the point of reaching the epitome of success and getting all the recognition? It's like, well, what's the point? And so one of the lessons that I've learned from that is I never took time to look back. Like what I always say is like looking back at the parking lot. It's like so oftentimes as a high producer, as a high achiever, as an entrepreneur, 
we're like set. I got to get up to the top of the mountain, right? And we're tenacious, we're determined, we're gritty. And eventually at some point in time, we get to the top of the mountain. And typically often we get to the top and we're already looking at the next mountain. And so if we're really gritty and tenacious, then we go down into the valley and then we go up to this other mountain and then we get to that top. And then if we're really tenacious, we go back down into the valley and up to this third peak. And by that time, typically we're like, well, what's the point? I've I've accomplished all of this stuff, but I don't feel any different. I'm just tired, right? I don't feel recognized. I don't feel accepted. I don't feel powerful. I don't feel strong. I don't feel whatever that person is looking for, whatever I was looking for. For me, it was recognition. And so I had set up this whole world where I was like, I need recognition out there. But that was to fill this internal void of I don't see myself. And so then it's been this journey of coming back home, of just really learning how to enjoy the journey up the mountain. And every single day, or at least once a week, like taking time to look back, like, in the parking lot, like, hey, look at how far I've come. Look at how far I've come since yesterday. Or look how far I've come since last week. Um, and then just surrender the timing of the top of the mountain to, I would call it God's timing. You call it the universe's timing. Like, it's just going to be what it's going to be. And then how can I train myself just to be here in this moment and enjoy the process of going on this journey? That for me has been able to kind of tamper burnout, not resolve it completely. I still have bouts of burnout, but it's been able to like start kind of, um, burn through it, I guess you would say, over time. It's so important, isn't it? Just to be able to find a way that you can cope with it and to design your life so that you feel more fulfilled as well. At any point on this journey that you've been on with the peaks and the troughs and the peaks and the troughs over these 12 years, was there a point where you sat back and you just thought, actually, I want to take a community with me. When I'm building all of this, what am I building it for? Am I helping a bigger community? Am I enabling more people to achieve their dreams as well? Yeah, for me, I, I, I'm a very social person. I'm also very not social. I go, I go like, I'm very social. And then after the social function or a big event, I'm like, okay, back to my cave, time to recluse and hermit for a little bit. But yes, I love like just doing things with people. And that's ultimately what's led me into creating small communities and leading communities and doing events and having almost like this family culture that's outside of a normal family. But there's, you know, there's this intimacy, there's this connection of like-minded people going on the journey together. It's like one of the most fun experiences for me. And how much of being able to take people with you was it when you first started out, like you said, not many people were using the internet in that way to grow their businesses, to be able to be seen at that time. To get people on board, how much of that was storytelling in terms of telling people, you know, climbing the mountain, we're going on this journey, come with me, be with me as I go so that I can be there for you at the same time. Yeah, for me, it's all basically all been storytelling. And I remember learning very early on in my online career, and I don't remember who said this, 
but it basically was like stories sell and facts tell. And so I remember like the very first time I even started um, the social media business, I joined the Chamber of Commerce and at the luncheon, we have like a little 30 second spot where you stand up in front of the room and you say, hello, I'm AJ and this is what I'm here to do. If you need anything, let me know. And that's typically what most people would do, right? They're like, hi, I'm so-and-so. This is who I help. This is how to help them. If you need anything, let me know. And then they sit down. Well, I took my little time to not do that at all. And instead, I, I told a story about how the internet at that time was the opportunity and how yellow pages were like a nursing home and only old people and crazy people used yellow pages, right? And so that's, in fact, how I got my first client because one of the guys after I had my little story that I shared, was like this little vignette of like 30 seconds that painted this new opportunity about using the internet and how it's better than the yellow pages at that point in time. He was like, hey, I think I need you to work with my son in Vegas. And that became my first client. And I ended up flying to Vegas and doing video marketing for, for his son. But it was a story that sold it. It wasn't because I was like, did you know, according to so-and-so stats, it was a story that hooked It's always the way. We operate in stories. And now for you, what's been your, what would you say is your favorite story from your journey over the last 12 years? My favorite story over the journey the past 12 years. In what vein? Inspiring. Let's go with inspiration because we're all about inspiring and motivating, lifting people up. And anyone that's listening to this podcast, they love a bit of inspiration that's going to make them think, yeah, me too. I can do that. I can also use this in my business as well. Yeah. So my, my current most inspiring story, and it's not like a light story, but it's, it is inspiring. The, the most inspiring story was actually over the past two years, watching my wife kind of go through her cancer journey. So she had this tumor in her back. And so she had to go through crazy, like 18 hour surgeries and proton radiation. And we have a four-year-old daughter. And so just seeing her go through this whole experience and my, my, my wife's from Romania, so she's very like strong and independent. And then so being put into a situation where she's absolutely powerless, she has no, really no control except how she's choosing to respond uh, emotionally, moment by moment by moment. Um, to me, that's probably one of the most inspiring, uh, very difficult, very intense, but also very inspiring to see somebody surrender and almost shed identity after identity after identity after identity after identity to finally land in a place where they do find their center um, in the midst of crazy, massive chaos and still choose every day, regardless of how she felt or how much she was in pain or what she was projecting onto the world and not feeling supported and, and facing all of her literally all of her traumas surfaced and she navigated all of that. To me, that was probably, it's by far the most inspiring thing I've experienced thus far is seeing somebody who's put face to face with their deepest, darkest fears that they could ever experience and then still choose light, like to still choose to do what's required to walk out of the pit, so to speak, while also living in this paradox of let's see what unfolds next right? Because I think in the entrepreneurial space, and I was guilty of this as well. It's like, I'm the creator of my reality. What I focus on expands, which is all all true to an extent. And then this whole journey is kind of put me face to face with the other side of the paradox where maybe potentially I'm the creator of how I'm experiencing this moment. And outside of that, maybe there is a grander scheme that I get to surrender into and flow with, which brings up for me has brought a lot more peace and a lot more joy uh, and a lot deeper sense of fulfillment. Well, I hope that your wife, journey is reaching a you know a really good conclusion wherever 
two years on that journey now, you talked about how with when you're running your own business and everything else, it's never just the business by itself. And it's never just the personal side of things by itself. And I think that story epitomizes everything because it is a personal journey that you're all on as a family. And I think it's really, it says a big volume about you that you chose a story where it's someone else that's inspired you, that's made you sit back and go, hang on a second, things aren't, you know, always plain sailing, but actually it's how we focus on things. It's how we look at how we want to get to that, you know, that end point, wherever that end point might be for for anyone. It's really important to remember that, isn't it? It's like that dual kind of purpose as you're going through. It's not just the personal, it's not just the business, everything meshes together. My experience has been if there's a personal issue going on, it impacts the business. Like even as we're like researching and looking at helping um, CEOs of a billion dollar companies, <laughs> when they start dropping from the Forbes list, it's typically because they have a personal issue going on. And unless they can can like transform that personal issue, uh, the business is going to slide. The moment the personal issue gets resolved, the moment the business issue starts going, it, it, they're completely tied together. And I think a lot of people think, well, I can show up and pretend this way at work. And then I can go, but at some point in time, (laughs) they're going to impact the business's performance. It's only a matter of time. I think employers and definitely in the corporate space, there needs to be more of an understanding around that. It's almost like you are expected to go to work, do your nine to five, or like you're you're focused 24-7. There's no part of the personal that is allowed to come in. And I think unless we have more of a systemic way of looking at everything that we, you know, your personal is going to impact your performance as well. Unless there's more of an understanding about that, both in the corporate space and entrepreneurial to a certain extent as well, that I think it's you're setting yourself up for more problems further down the line. Totally agree with you. And there's one way to approach this where we look at the corporations and we make the corporations the bad guys and we villainize the corporations and saying, well, you guys should create a solution. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's one possibility that we could look at this. Where I feel like we're going to make change on this conversation is where we as individuals start taking responsibility. Like it's our responsibility to go to our boss or the employer or whoever the decision maker is and and be vulnerable and say, hey, here's here's all of the stuff I have going on. Here's how I'm feeling about this. Here's how it's impacting my performance. And here's some of my fears is like, if I don't show up here, uh, this is going to fall apart and you guys are going to let me go. And if I don't show up here at home, this is going to unravel. So how can you and I work together to resolve this? Because here's a problem. But a lot of people don't want to take this level of responsibility. Oh, I can't, I can't share that with my employer. Oh, what if they use it against me? Oh, what? And then, and now we're back into this victimized culture where we're just going to look outside of us to say, well, when they do something about it, I'll do something about it. And I think this is a completely backwards approach to creating solutions because the only thing that we have control over is how are we, how am I, I can't even control we. So how am I going to choose to respond? If I worked inside of a corporation, this is what I would do. And then somebody's like, well, you would not have a job in a corporation. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe that's why I work for myself. My point is, is when I take radical responsibility and I'm clear on what I want and I'm willing to use my voice to articulate it and I'm open to entertaining a possibility 
And I'm willing to communicate, even if it's in conflict with another human being, where I can create a win for them and a win for me. This is where we start creating sustainable solutions. And yet culture, at least here in America, I can't speak for the UK, culturally here in America, few people culturally want to do this. Instead, they want to look outside of them and blame the institutions. And yes, institutions are at fault. But the only way any of this is going to change is if more of me, more of us take personal responsibility, because if we make these changes, then of course, the institutions are going to reflect it. Uh, I kind of have this belief system that if we look outside of ourselves and we look at the institutions, we look at the government structures, they're just reflecting uh, the, the conglomerate of individual consciousness, so to speak. And if we're willing to change here, that's naturally going to follow. Is it going to happen tomorrow? Probably not. But the more that we start doing our own work and taking radic responsibility and we create okayness here, homeness here, that all is going to change naturally. There are a lot of people that are scared of that conversation and being able to address our fears, no matter what the outcome, I think that's really important. It has to be because otherwise you're right. You never move forward and things always stay the same. I always, I kind of joke with people sometimes because I'm like, what's the worst that's going to happen? I die? Like I'm going to die anyway. Like at some point in time, it's only a matter of fact that I am going to die, whether it's right now, tomorrow, 10 years from now, tw- I don't know. So like, why not have the conversation? Um, but just most people don't have the EQ, the emotional intelligence to like be and source their okayness in the midst of conflict. Which is, in fairness, it is a difficult thing to do. In fairness, it is. Um, if there was one thing that you would want to be taken away from what you've achieved and what you've managed to do in your life, what would be the the thing that you're proudest of? I think that the thing that I'm proudest of is, um, this is going to sound super cliche, but all of the people that I've helped get to a place where they realize they have nothing to prove or defend anymore. Like I've worked with some really amazing people over the past 12 years. Um, and they've accomplished some amazing things. And many of them accomplished amazing things trying to run from not wanting to be something, whether it's they, they created a million-dollar company because they didn't want to be a loser, or they created a marriage because they didn't want to be an asshole, or whatever it is that they're running from. So for them to be able to, to maintain or grow the very thing that they built, but the pressure in which they were relating to it to completely dissolve and finally experience a place of like, man, I have nothing to prove or defend. Nothing to prove or defend to the market, to the system, to myself, not even God. Like I am, I am totally good right here, right now. And then from that place, choosing to continue to go out and serve in the way that they felt called to serve. To me, that's, I feel, is one of my greatest contributions, things that I'm most proud of currently. That's amazing. What an amazing thing to be able to say that you have helped other people do, because it's finding that peace and it's finding that fulfillment within as well, which is so, so important. If anyone wants to find you how can they work with you? What's the best way to connect? Yeah, the best way to connect is just go to socialglow.com. Uh, you can see everything we're doing at Social Glow. We have lots of free training there. So yeah, just go to socialglow.com. Amazing. And don't forget, if you are thinking, is PR right for me? Do I want to be seen in the media? Do I want to be out there in a bigger way? telling my story, telling my truth, being able to impart my credibility. You can always try our free quiz, which is pr-quiz.com. Until next time on the Power of Storytelling podcast, we'll see you soon.